0: Bankless Nation, we have a special bonus episode for you. Is Coinbase moving offshore? That is the question. Has the regulatory climate in the US become so bad that it has caused one of America's largest exchanges to actually relocate to another jurisdiction? That is the question we pose on today's episode. We're gonna be talking about Coinbase's digital asset business license from
1: the Bermuda Monetary Authority and what's going on over there. David, who do we have on? We're talking to Tom Gordon, who is the Vice President of International Policy at Coinbase. And this really got on our radar when Tom and, and uh, his coworker released a blog post that talked about this uh, license that Coinbase has gotten in Bermuda, which has raised the question is, is Coinbase moving offshore? And are they doing one of those offshore derivatives exchanges, which we all know about? We've seen these before. Is Coinbase doing one? So these are the big questions. And that's the, the questions that we start with asking Tom about. But then it spirals into a much longer conversation about the global chessboard of international rules and regulations and how that makes some areas uh, easier for Coinbase to operate in and harder for the Coinbase to operate in. And how will this landscape change and adapt moving forward? And overall, what is coinbase's plans for navigating this changing chessboard so that's the episode
0: before we get into that episode bankless nation we got a message from our friends and sponsors over at swell network really cool decentralized staking protocol david
1: what does swell want bankless listeners to know the Swell staking as a service DAO is live. So you can now go stake with Swell. No minimums, lower fees, higher yields, because Swell is both a staking as a service DAO like Rocket Pool or like Lido, but it's also a DeFi yield optimizer, kind of like Yearn. So uh, multiple sources of yield, brand new product. Uh, there's a link in the show notes to join the community if you want to get in on the bottom floor of something that's brand new into the Ethereum staking and DeFi yield marketplace. Don't just hold your ETH, guys. Stake your ETH. Swell's a fantastic protocol to do that. Link in the show notes. Ryan, before we get into this episode, I want to just like bring up uh, this era in crypto is marked by regulatory. We're talking Mm. about Gary Gensler every step of the way. Yeah. And it's so frustrating. Regulatory season. And it's regulatory season, which is not a fun season (laughs) to be in. Uh, And I remember going through just uh, lessons from cycles of past back in 2018 which was 2020 2022 so like it was down only and then it was 2019 which was the year of both building and also frustration Mm. uh and so understanding the landscape and i was newer at the time but understanding the landscape because there was also regulatory conversations back then too Mm. china was banning crypto for the some of the first times uh, we were finally seeing crypto have a glimmer of relevancy in uh, Congress, although albeit briefly. But mm-hmm. it, it was still similar. Yeah. Now these conversations have moved forward one cycle bigger. Uh, crypto is one cycle bigger, and so as we have these much bigger conversations, I just want to remind listeners that this was always inevitable, and this is part of the plan. And just because we are in the pain part of the cycle, that means that the better horizons are on the way and this is oh, what coinbase yeah. is saying this is what why they are doing their international strategy and i think it's going to force the hand of the united states uh, eventually once we are done gritting our teeth and getting through 2023 regulatory season.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. What I, what I would add to that is um, the the problem, this, we're still in the bear market, obviously, and this is kind of a regulatory bear. The last bear market, David, back to 2018, you know what, what kind of bear that was? It wasn't a regulatory bear so much. I know there's some FUD in China. That was minor in comparison. Okay. We didn't have product market fit. Okay, we like had
1: nothing. We would have be- no. Weight. We would
0: be begging at that time. Please talk about us in front of Congress. <laughs> uh, Mika regulation in Europe—that would be a dream. Like, oh mm-hmm. my God, crypto is actually important enough to pass European regulation on. That would be incredible. And so, mm-hmm. um, even though some of you m- might be thinking about this regulatory season is it's bearish, let me tell you, this is the. This is the most bullish. This is, is exact. This is a win condition. This is a problem that a winning industry actually has, where, uh, okay, now it's big enough, we have product market fit, it's established enough, we're at $1 trillion, and now uh, the worldwide regulators have to figure out how to handle this asset class. So that's the wider yeah. context of, you yeah. could look at the short run, you could be like bearish, well, you know, Gary Gensler and the US doesn't get it, and they're, you're falling behind. No, this is incredibly bullish. We have major international communities and geographies actually talking about crypto, passing regulation about crypto. It's entered the conversation. There's hearings in Congress about this. So that is the, the wider context, I think, where we bring on this guest today.
1: Yeah. And we, we, it's also important to know that like, oh, don't be bearish, Bankless Nation. The only reason why we're saying that is because Ryan and I are from the United States. This is only bearish for the United States. Crypto fine. <laughs> it's just going to be better elsewhere. Sorry to United States citizens but this is just a bullish crypto conversation for the rest of the world. You the United States is a very wealthy and very large market and eventually we need the full weight of the United States behind crypto, but the the Brian brings up a very point in this a very important point of this episode is that when other jurisdictions entice crypto, it forces the United States hand. Yeah, um absolutely. so this is our our dose of hopium that you didn't know that you needed. Not that you even did need it. But first, before we talk to Tom, we have to talk to our fantastic sponsors who make this show possible, especially Kraken, our preferred crypto exchange for 2023. If you haven't set up an account with Kraken, there's a link in the show notes, so you can go do that right now. Kraken Pro has easily become the best crypto trading platform in the industry. The place I use to check the charts and the crypto prices, even when I'm not looking to place a trade. On Kraken Pro, you'll have access to advanced charting tools, real-time market data, and lightning-fast trade execution. All inside their spiffy new modular interface. Kraken's new customizable modular layout lets you tailor your trading experience to suit your needs. Pick and choose your favorite modules and place them anywhere you want in your screen. With Kraken Pro, you have that power. Whether you are a seasoned pro or just starting out, join thousands of traders who trust Kraken Pro for their crypto trading needs. Visit pro.kraken.com to get started today. Bankless is launching the Bankless Token Hub. At Bankless, we've been studying the crypto markets ever since 2017, and all of our research has led us to this, the Token Hub you're a one-stop shop for alpha to help you navigate through the crypto markets have you ever wished for a trusted resource that would share their thoughts ratings and their opinions about tokens boy do we have the product for you the bankless token hub is where we provide bankless citizens with the alpha on the hottest tokens in crypto we do the research so you don't have to the bankless token hub includes the token ratings where our team shares their research and outlook on the hottest tokens in crypto also the token hub includes bankless bags our own internal investment club bankless bags Is where we put our money where our mouth is. And for the bankless power user out there, you can access the analyst team 24-7 inside the Bankless Nation Discord. You can ask them questions and learn from a group of people deep in the weeds of crypto investing. The last feature of the token hub is the ability to upvote or downvote token ratings. The Bankless Token Hub lets you learn from your fellow citizens to rate these tokens yourselves. The Bankless Token Hub is launching right now and has already been beta tested by your fellow bankless citizens. So stay tuned in the bankless Discord for updates. And if you're not a Bankless citizen, well, you better sign up if you want access, because this corner of Bankless is available for citizens only. I'll see you in the Discord. If you haven't yet experienced the superpowers that a smart contract wallet gives you, check out Ambire. Ambire works with all the EVM chains, the layer twos like Arbitrum, Optimism, and Polygon, but also the non-Ethereum ecosystems like Avalanche and Phantom. Ambire lets you pay for gas and stablecoins, meaning you'll never have to spend your precious ETH again. And if you like self-custody, but you still want training wheels, you can recover a lost Ambire wallet with an email and password, but without giving the Ambire team control over your funds. The Ambire wallet is coming soon for both iOS and Android. And if you want to be a beta tester ambire is airdropping their wallet token for simply just using the wallet you can sign up at ambire.com and while you're there sign up for the web app wallet experience as well so thank you ambire for pushing the frontier of smart contract wallets on ethereum bankless nation we are here with tom duff gordon the vice president of international policy at coinbase tom welcome to the show great to be with you so the, the big news here that uh, I think a lot of people are focusing on is that Coinbase has received a digital asset business license from the Bermuda Monetary Authority, which has led to people wonder, is Coinbase moving offshore? Are you guys abandoning the U.S. because understanding the current regulatory environment in the
2: United States, I
1: don't think anyone could really blame you. But that's a question that, that everyone has. Is, is Coinbase moving offshore?
2: Uh, It's a good question. Uh, The simple answer is no. Uh, We're we're proudly U.S. We're going to stay a U.S. company. Uh, I think some of you saw the response to the Wells Notice that we put out yesterday where um, Brian uh, and Paul talked about, you know, the reasons for setting up in the U.S. We think the U.S. has an awesome opportunity here to kind of lead because of the strength in tech and in finance. But clearly, you know, we've been struggling with a lack of, of regulatory clarity. Um, so we've been amping up uh, our kind of um, mission to kind of, you know, spread economic freedom globally. We want to bring a billion people into the crypto economy. We can't just do that in the U.S. So international is a big part of what we're trying to do here. Um, and part of that is is trying to light up the map. Um, we go broad and we, and we go deep. And we've announced a number of really exciting, um, developments, including the Bermuda license, uh, over the last few weeks. So, um, we're going to, we're going to continue to, to push for regulatory clarity in the U S as much as possible, but equally, we're going to be, uh, expanding overseas as well.
1: So I think I really want to know what that looks like and what, and what that means, and so. Is Bermuda like a big area of emphasis is, is like one question. There's also another question of like UK also seems to be an area of emphasis, but maybe you can just, we can just zoom out and start at the high level, just the broad scope, scope of international. What is, can you just kind of explain the calculus of like, what is Coinbase's plans at a high level to expand internationally? What does that look like? What should yeah. people
2: know? Happy to, happy to do that so uh, we tend to look at international uh, in two ways one is the go deep markets and the other are the go broad markets and we, we know we set that out in a blog about a, a year ago we have more or less 10 international markets where we want to go deep um, so if you look at the kind of in Europe UK is our biggest international market and then we have five other kind of European markets you know the big ones that you would expect you know France Germany Italy Spain Netherlands and Ireland. And then in APAC, we're we're kind of going deep. We're on shore in places like Australia and Singapore, and in the Americas, you know, we've just announced some kind of exciting new developments in in Canada and in uh, Brazil as well. So these are kind of the markets that we're very focused on. Um, we're equally going broad. Bermuda is going to be part of that kind of go broad push where we cover other markets kind of, you know, um, from a single location. Um, And we're also, you know, we have interesting conversations with regulators in the Middle East, I'm sure we'll get onto that and places like India, Indonesia as well. But, you know, stepping back 10 kind of major kind of go deep kind of markets internationally, uh, and then some other markets that we're going to cover more from a kind of go broad perspective. And, And that's how we kind of carve the world up at the moment.
0: I know, Tom, you said that uh, Coinbase is not a moving offshore outside of the bounds of the U.S., though it does have an international strategy. Let me ask you the question, though. um, Are there conditions under which that might change? I think some of the quotes that we saw circulating from Brian Armstrong, basically that it's not off the table, right? And it seems like very much now Coinbase has decided to double down, dig in, and fight in the U.S., basically, suing the SEC um, for more uh, rulemaking, responding to the Wells notice very publicly. Uh, Brian keeps tweeting out uh, pictures in Washington, DC, where uh, Coinbase is is presumably speaking to folks that are uh, in Capitol Hill. So it seems very much like the, the current posture is to actually fight. But if things got bad in the United States, Are there other avenues where where Coinbase might consider actually moving offshore or at least uh, relocating its headquarters somewhere other than the United States?
2: Well, for the time being, we're we're staying and fighting, Um, you know, when Brian set up Coinbase 12 years ago, there were, you know, there were a number of other kind of crypto companies setting up offshore immediately, but we deliberately decided to establish kind of Coinbase in the US. We've been fighting for that regulatory clarity. I think, as you know, well, over the last few years, last year we petitioned the SEC for kind of clear rules. Um, part of the, you know, the, the recent kind of writ and court process we're going through with the SEC is to get them to respond to that petition, not telling them how to respond to it, just asking them to respond and to create those clear rules. We want to see the development of a securities kind of market for crypto in the U.S. We think it's a huge opportunity. So we're not going to, we're not kind of running away. We want to continue to fight the good fight. But equally, we are seeing an extraordinarily exciting amount of kind of, you know, regulatory development happening internationally where clarity is forthcoming, right? And, you know, there are normally three steps in generating that kind of clarity. First of all, um, geographies tend to kind of focus on money laundering, terrorist financing. It's kind of step one travel rule type stuff step two is they then think about stable coins because they could become super systemic very quickly types of kind of licensing and and custody rules and then the third step is kind of technical rules and implementation we're seeing a huge number of geos move forward now into kind of stage two and potentially stage three um europe for example with Mika, is is arguably at stage three so we have to be engaged in those processes you know we want to spread um you know economic freedom we want to bring a billion people into the crypto economy and we've got to be part of those conversations. Brian said in London, uh, nothing is, is off the table. Um, and I think what he means by that is we will, you know, we'll continue to stay and fight in the US. But equally, our mission is, is broader. Uh, and we will be very present. And we'll make sure that we're, you know, involved and engaged in all of those conversations in those other markets. As that regulatory clarity will bring more users into, into the ecosystem.
0: So, for Bankless listeners, doing the math, obviously Coinbase needs to be broader, uh, other than the 350 or so million Americans who who live in this country. If it wants to get a billion, of course, there are a lot more people that live outside of the U.S. If if that indeed is the mission, Um, Tom, since you you've got some of this exposure, you mentioned a few markets already. You also mentioned Mika. I'm curious if you could kind of like rank order uh, the different geographies in terms of how high quality and friendly their crypto regulation regime is. And I know everyone is somewhat still early to this game, of course, because this is a brand new industry, a brand new technology. But I'm trying to get a flavor. I mean, like the Middle East, for instance, or uh, areas in Asia or the UK uh, or Europe, for example, uh, and then the United States and Canada. Where does everyone stack up if you were to do sort of a, you know, a top 10 list?
2: Yes, yeah, it's it's a, it's a great question maybe i can start by answering that by saying the debate in the us which which i see a little bit from the inside and the outside around you know what is a security and what's a commodity should you know should this market kind of belong under the sec or under the cftc this is not a debate that i see kind of pronounced in any shape or fashion happening outside of the us right the really main- Yeah. So this is sometimes what I think is kind of gets lost and is missing uh, a little bit in the debate in the U.S. Like genuinely what happens outside is that we do a token mapping exercise. And this is happening across multiple different kind of geos. So not just kind of Europe, but also parts of, you know, the major parts of the Middle East and APAC, where the first thing the the regulators and policymakers are doing is trying to figure out, is crypto an existing financial instrument? And should we apply existing financial instrument laws or is it something new or is it something in between? And I think where the UK is coming out, where Europe is coming out, where Australia and others are coming out, where Japan is, et cetera, is quite simply to say there are kind of Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, you know, all these kind of main unbacked kind of tokens. These are not existing financial instruments. So therefore, they're going to need a new set of tailored rules where some of the regulatory risks are the same and some of the underlying activities are a bit similar. We're going to take existing rule books for financial instruments, slightly modify them and apply it to the crypto economy we'll develop new rules for things like stable coins but where we've got tokenized securities tokenized commodities tokenized financial instruments clearly those are financial instruments right and you just apply the existing financial services law so so it's kind of interesting that you know the, the kind of distinction between what's a security and a commodity is mainly only relevant in the us because you have separate regulators with jurisdiction the the distinction that we care about outside of the us is are these things existing financial instruments or not and that's been a much easier question for everybody to get to grips with so i feel like answering your question you just have to kind of start by level setting to say that the the conversations and discussions are very different um you know internationally outside well,
0: of the- well let me just dig in that to make sure that that point lands uh completely so there's this this famous not famous but like a clip viral clip back and forth patrick McHenry asking gary gensler is ether a security? I repeat, is ether a security or a commodity? Again and again and again he asked this question, and Gary Gensler would not answer the question, basically. Uh, if I went to a governance body in Europe, let's say, and I asked um, uh, legislators that same question, is ether a security? What would the answer be? It, would the answer be, or or is it a commodity? Would the answer be, uh, that's not the right question, or that's it's not the not question how We do should... Things. That's not how we do things. Like." Or would they very clearly be like, oh, this is a new financial instrument. Clearly, it resembles somewhat of a, a, a commodity. What, what would they, the return answer be to
2: a question like that? Yeah, I, I, it's a great question. They would, they would basically say, what we look at is slightly different. We want to know, is this an existing financial instrument or is this something new? And so in kind of European terms, you would say, is this a MIFID?" Instrument and MIFID is the markets and financial instruments directive, which is the existing kind of corpus of financial regulation So is it an existing financial instrument that fits in there or is it a Mika instrument right, for which we've got new rules, right? For yeah, mm-hmm. ARTs and asset reference tokens and stable coins, etc The direction of travel if you ask this question Ryan in in Europe, I think is very clear uh, Ether would not be an existing financial instrument. It would be an other financial token uh, to which the rules under Mika apply, not MIFID. Now, that has not been um, 100% finalized. We have, the ink is not quite yet dry because there are some technical rules that have to be made after the vote in parliament uh, that we've just recently kind of seen. Um, but that is the direction of travel, which is very clear, and I think that's the same in the UK, and we're going to see that the same across uh, Asia as well.
0: So Tom, the, 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 the difference is whether it's Mifit or uh, Mika, and that, that's almost like traditional finance versus digital finance, let's say, and that would be the kind of the axis of conversation and f- clearly something like Ether. Is, is Mika. It's digital finance. It's not traditional finance. And so rather than the,
1: commodity versus security, it's old versus new.
0: Yeah. And, and right. a new set of rules and kind of thinking like that seems um, smart and like <laughs> Desirable. healthy and like normal and build up from first principles. I don't know why we're having such trouble in the United States with this. Uh, Tom, but but anyway, I don't want to um, delay this. But thank you for digging in. Like so, so give us the 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 stack ranking here. Who's on top? Who's got the best
2: regulation? Who's got the, kind of the worst? Uh, good question. Uh, so I won't go through all the countries. Um, look, I think, uh, the Mika is, Mika is good. We support it. Um, there's a lot of level two technical rules that have to come out, but for centralized actors like ourselves, the rules came out in a pretty good place. Um, if we had a small criticism, it would be around the treatment of stable coins, uh, which we think is, is a little bit harsh under Mika, but more or less, I think that's a very good framework. I think Mika will also be influential at the global level because we haven't talked about this either, but, kind of whilst uh, we're kind of waiting to see what happens in the US, no one else is kind of standing still, and and the global stance setters are also kind of moving, and we're going to get you know principles from the FSB and IOSCO and and kind of others, kind of later on this year. Um, but you know Mika is Mika is good. I think it's going to be influential for those global rules. The UK um, have just started consulting. Um, that framework seems to look a lot like Mika, um, but it's kind of more flexible in certain areas. So we're kind of quite pleased with the way that that is trending. Um, I would say that there are some markets that I would group as a little bit more cautious on the retail side, um, and some of that has changed post-FTX. So places like Hong Kong, which is big, which is opening up, which is super interesting, right, because um, China obviously banned crypto, but Hong Kong is now opening up, and the recent consultation paper from the SFC was kind of really interesting for everyone to see. But I will say when you dig into that a bit more, um, the pivot is fantastic, but they are very cautious on the retail side so only a limited number of tokens can be traded by kind of retail users and a similar kind of hesitancy we see somewhat in in some other geos in apac like singapore for example where you know a huge amount of excitement overall in the space and the technology um, but again concerns around consumer access on the retail side and consumer detriment um, and we see that in a number of markets so i would say you know, the themes post FTX where some jurisdictions are beginning to tighten up and reduce kind of flexibility tend to be around conflicts of interest and consumer access right and these are things which kind of crystallized you know over the last few months but you know look i I think we're positive more or less about what's happening in the middle east uh, what's happening in europe in the uk um australia kind of one step behind but their token mapping exercise was very thoughtful and and they're moving ahead nicely um singapore and hong kong have good regimes looks like they're developing good regimes but perhaps more cautious on the retail side Um, and then you know japan um, you know, we found that uh, a market which was um, very exciting, a big early mover, but one in which they had quite a lot of lo- localization requirements, particularly on the custody side. So that was a bit harder. But it's, you know, without wanting to give you a, a kind of a full stack ranking, um, I think we would see f- from a comprehensive kind of perspective, Mika really being right up there, um, but kind of fast follows from a number of other geos. And the G20 rules will probably pick up a lot of what Mika says and allow everybody to generate A bit of consensus, because here's the thing, guys. The at the end of 2023, it could well be that a lot of international jurisdictions, or the the ones that kind of really matter, are in stage two or stage three of this process, and there are global principles, and it could just be the US just finds itself increasingly kind of you know standing alone um, in the room without you know being on this on this journey, and that's something that concerns us. And again, we're not pleased about that, and we're doing everything we can to try and push. The U.S. along, but you know, particularly from my perspective, focusing on the international markets, this is a pivotal key year. There's a heck of a lot happening. Things are moving fast, um, and we have to be part of those conversations, even as we kind of struggle to to get off the ground in the U.S.
0: So the U.S. has its own unique problems, you know, and its own unique systems. I Maybe mean, it's just you've not adopted the metric system uh, yet, and that you know the rest of the world is uh, ahead. And so you're saying that the U.S. you'd place them at the bottom. In terms of closer to the bottom, lower quartile, anyway, in, in terms of crypto friendliness,
2: I would ju- I would just say that they are um, they're just behind where everybody else is right on this on this process because we want to have um, clear rules, not regulation by enforcement, and that's unfortunately what we've been seeing. So I think they would certainly be you know behind the rest of the pack in the sense that we have not seen you know, white papers, we have not seen open consultation papers, there hasn't been transparent rulemaking that the industry's been invited to engage in. But we have seen that in the UK, we have seen that in Europe, we've seen that in Japan, we've seen it in Brazil, we've seen it in Singapore, we've seen it in the Middle East, we've seen it in Australia, we've seen it in Canada, the list goes on, right? Um, but we have not seen that uh, on the US side. So I think from that perspective, um, you know, they are they are lagging. We hope they can catch up, it can be faster, But, you know, uh, think again about Europe, 27 countries came together to agree hundreds of pages of very complicated text, multiple different languages, but they managed it uh, and they started three years ago. But in the next year and a half, a lot of these regimes are going to enter into kind of application. And, you know, I hope that the U.S. will be kind of part of that journey.
1: Seeing this like global landscape kind of like play like a chessboard, when different parts of this landscape are becoming more difficult to play on, and other parts of this landscape are becoming easier to play on, is I think a a useful mental model. There's two parts of this conversation that I think are worth um, separating, and one is like how easy does parts of this chessboard make it easy to play on, and then what are the values of those locations, right? So the United States makes it very, very difficult to play on that part of the board, but it's a very valuable part of the board because the United States market is huge and, and wealthy. Um, and, uh, the, you know, it's, it's always shifting, right? The global relationships to the crypto industry is always shifting and think just like in the moments of at post 2022, it's just a big conversation of like, how is this board shifting? The, I think, and that's like one side of the calculus. I think once the the big question that that I think users are primarily interested in and like what just the gut reflex is, is like, is there going to be a Coinbase International, right? And we've seen this model before. There's Binance US versus Binance. There's FTX, FTX, FTX US, and then also FTX, right? Is that kind of the mental model that we should be thinking? Is there going to be a Coinbase US? and Coinbase International, is that how we should think of this? Or how should like users and consumers of Coinbase think about this?
2: So, so maybe we can come back to kind of the Bermuda announcement. So we are going to have mm-hmm. uh, Coinbase international exchange. Um, okay. and, and that, that's yeah. the new thing. So that's the, so that's the, so that's the new thing. Really excited about that. Um, mm-hmm. so we have a, a full license kind of now there and, you know, we're just starting a, effectively, um, new product. Um, so perpetual futures. Um, It's going to start with just Bitcoin and Ethereum kind of contracts with kind of wholesale institutional kind of clients, moderate kind of leverage to kind of kick off. But, you know, that will then kind of like scale and proceed and we'll bring kind of, you know, our retail users uh, into that and we'll make that available in in select markets across the world. So kind of we're excited by that. We've moved, I think, sensibly uh, into that space. We haven't rushed. Um, We choose high bar regulatory jurisdictions. Um, To your point we kind of almost seek out the parts of the chessboard where it's a little bit harder because we know that if we're able to do that that's a badge and people will then trust us and you know our brand is about being safe and trusted and easy to use and we don't necessarily want to rush into things and do them wrong we want to take our time and do them right um so that's why we've taken a bit of time to launch this new product um but Mm -hmm. we're very excited about it and i think that will you know that will kind of scale um you know over over time so we will have a u.s exchange We will then have a non U S international exchange. Um, and then Coinbase will have a localized experienced kind of banking rails, um, in the go deep markets that I described kind of, you know, beforehand, um, and we'll continue to announce kind of exciting developments as we, uh, as we kind of continue conversations in other parts of the world, the middle East and, and other places.
1: Okay. So there's us Coinbase, which we all know, like that's the, the known quantity. The new thing is, yeah, Coinbase international which is going to accept certain jurisdictions, certain citizens from certain jurisdictions that get approved to access the international exchange. And then there's also kind of like one-off more call it proprietary, I guess, just like more niche coverage of the rest of the world in one in more one-off particular fashions. And then you add all of those things together and that's Coinbase, right? That's
2: right. That's right. And, you know, and going back to the, and going back to the, the kind of the chessboard analogy as as different geos move through that, through those three phases of kind of figuring out, you know, the AML, KYC, travel rules first, and then the licensed custody and stable coins, and then the implementation. And by the way, there are other steps around kind of DeFi and, and other things, but we kind of hope they come later. The You know, it gets harder and harder, right, to operate in those, in those jurisdictions. But in some ways, you know, that's a good thing, uh, because it means that there's, you know, there are more compliance requirements. Okay, that's difficult. But we're hoping that that is just going to bring more people into the crypto economy because there'll be more trust uh in the system and there'll be incentives for people to be onshore and in those high bar regulatory jurisdictions and you know some of those situations the ftx um, uh, events and others that we saw where Effectively, we had exchanges in offshore, more lightly regulated jurisdictions getting into trouble. I mean, hopefully that will be that'll be lessened as as we kind of move forward. But that puts a lot of onus and burden on centralized exchanges like ourselves. Um, so we need to be thoughtful and judicious about you know where we go deep and and you know making sure that we get that right.
1: Learning about crypto is hard. Until now, introducing MetaMask Learn, an open educational platform about crypto. Web3, self-custody, wallet management, and all the other topics needed to onboard people into this crazy world of crypto. MetaMask Learn is an interactive platform with each lesson offering a simulation for the task at hand, giving you actual practical experience for navigating Web3. The purpose of MetaMask Learn is to teach people the basics of self-custody and wallet security in a safe environment. And while MetaMask Learn always takes the time to define Web3-specific vocabulary, it is still a jargon-free experience for the crypto-curious user. Friendly, not scary. MetaMask Learn is available in 10 languages with more to be added soon and it's meant to cater to a global Web3 audience. So are you tired of having to explain crypto concepts to your friends? Go to learn.metamask.io and add MetaMask Learn to your guides to get onboarded into the world of Web3. You know Uniswap? It's the world's largest decentralized exchange with over $1.4 trillion in trading volume. You know this because we talk about it endlessly on Bakelist. It's Uniswap, but Uniswap is becoming so much more. Uniswap Labs just released the Uniswap mobile wallet Simple custody from the most trusted team in DeFi. Download the Uniswap wallet today on iOS. There is a link in the show notes. So I think this is actually kind of a dumb question, but I'm gonna ask it anyways. Um uh, the other offshore derivative exchanges that is now Coinbase is like adding into themselves into the category of are Binance and BitMEX and FTX, and maybe a few other ones that I can't remember, but just like it's not necessarily a great list to be on. Uh, and so, like, what's what's Coinbase's international's like strategy around that? Like, what what are the thoughts about that?
2: Uh, sure. Look, we we only seek kind of high barred kind of jurisdictions, and you know, just to spend just one second on Bermuda. Bermuda is is being hugely impressive, right, to us. They have. Um, one of the first kind of digital asset kind of legislative frameworks, the DABA they call it, the Digital Assets Business Act, which came out in 2018. Um, the current premier, who is extraordinarily articulate and sophisticated, uh, who speaks of consensus and others, Premier Burt, he was the finance minister that I think took that bill through parliament. So he understands this very well. The BMA, which is the Bermuda Monetary Authority, they also look after kind of a global financial center for reinsurance. Um, so they only wanted to attract, you know, high quality digital asset kind of exchanges and players. They have an ecosystem of about 17 VASPs, I think, at the moment. So they have experience, they have expertise. Um, I think they are well connected to kind of, you know, other regulators globally and international standard setters through the kind of the insurance play. Um, so it's a very different place to some of those other more likely regulated jurisdictions that that other exchanges have decided to kind of place themselves in. So we feel we feel very good about uh, bermuda about you know the the robustness with which they put us through that licensing process um and we're exciting to be kind of you know kicking off our, our new kind of perps offering in in that jurisdiction so um the list that you cited is is a is an interesting one um we hope that that's not going to be you know we hope that we're not going to add to you know to, to that list um certainly bermuda i think has been cautious about um you know finding the right kind of partners And we are, you know, our reputation for being you know, trusted and easy to use and compliant forward is incredibly important for us, which is why we're going to take this step by step um, and incrementally kind of build the product to make sure that, um, you know, everybody comes along on this journey with us.
0: So um, two versions of Coinbase, one Coinbase International, the other is kind of the the Coinbase that maybe many retail investors in the US uh, sort of use. I just want to emphasize or get clarity, there will be a different set of products in Coinbase International. Those derivatives that you mentioned for Bitcoin and ETH a little bit earlier, to be clear, they are not available for US uh, consumers. Like, you can't actually... (laughs) We we don't have the regulatory framework. Like, what's preventing you from getting those products onto Coinbase in the US? Because I'm betting you would have had them already if you had the ability to do that. So what is U.S. retail
2: missing out on? So I think about 75% of, of kind of daily trading volume is in the kind of the perps market rather than the spot market. Um, so it's a, it's a product that is extremely sought after by kind of clients, that's where a lot of the volume is. But we wanna make sure that we, we do this in a regulatory compliant way. And so you need to have very clear rules of the road. And in the U.S. right now, that framework doesn't exist, which is why, you know, those products will not be available to kind of U.S. retail users, which is why the, the exchange is a is a offshore, highly regulated exchange. And we'll make that uh, we'll make those products available to select kind of geos, but outside of the U.S. So, again, we we are hoping very much that the U.S. will kind of catch up. We've petitioned them to kind of create the clear rules, both for the spot market, but also on the on the derivative side as well. And, you know, we're hopeful that we'll get there, but we're not right now. And so, you know, we have to kind of adapt. Um, but equally, we have to kind of follow market demand and clients want trusted counterparties in the, in this kind of perps market. And so we're kind of stepping into that role. It's a very helpful product for people to get exposure to, to the asset class. It helps them with their hedging strategies, et cetera. So we want to be in that um, asset class, but we have to do that in a compliant way. And, I, and the best way of doing that is-
0: part of is, what is, I'm I'm just disappointed with, Tom, is because why can't we have that in the U.S. too? How come, because I'm an American, I don't have access to those same products? And what's actually happening is it's not, to your point, you said it was 75% of the actual demand was for perps products, right? Um, it's not like the U.S. not allowing this uh, you know, makes the demand dry up suddenly. It just shifts the demand to other jurisdictions and other locations. And what was actually happening with FTX, they were receiving a lot of that demand. Um, a lot of people, by the way, were Americans they, they, they who were actually using this in an unsafe way. So I'm just expressing the frustration that what it seems like American regulators and legislators don't understand is if they don't provide clear guidelines, if they don't allow um, the demand to be expressed in a safe, effective way in the United States—they're not like they're like the ostrich with their head in the sand. Like they're imagining the demand is suddenly going to evaporate. It's not evaporating. It's just going somewhere else, guys, and not in your economy. It's not adding jobs to uh, the American system. And 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 retail Americans don't get access to these products when they actually want it. Uh, so that's a frustrating place to be, I, I imagine, for Coinbase. It's also frustrating as someone who uh, currently lives in the United States
2: agree, we, we made this point. It's a great point. We made this point to um, you know a lot of different policymakers around the world, which is if you don't create onshore regimes, you're not going to stop people from accessing these products necessarily. Yes. They're just going do it they're, le- they're just going to do it in a less protected way, and you're going to force them offshore and you're going to force them to providers, right, that are not doing things in the way that you want them to do. Um, you know even even jurisdictions like India and other places where you know there was a lot of hesitancy around the kind of crypto market. I think they you know everybody's realized now that we can't ban we can't ban crypto. We can't put it away. It's a kind of a global market. It's a real asset class. And the best thing to do is actually to create kind of guardrails and rules around which you can actually incentivize people to engage, but you can kind of do so in a safe way, otherwise, to kind of you know put as the ostrich putting the head in the sand. You, you effectively, you ignore the problem. You don't get rid of the problem and effectively you kind of create more risk, uh, for your, for your own consumers without, without any guardrails. And, and that's something, that's a point we've been making consistently across a number of geos.
1: We've, uh, used the, the metaphor in Bankless a number of times. We live in a financial prison inside of the United States, right? Like we can't access our airdrops. Uh, the IRS looks at our $600 Venmo transactions. We can't do fun, cool financial toys. We can't have those fun toys, uh, which I know are for sometimes professionals, but toys nonetheless. Uh, so yeah, we live in a financial prison and I'm one thing I'm actually bullish on at least to really just drive this point home to a lot of the, the average Americans who only understand a little bit of this is that there's going to be Coinbase United States and Coinbase International and I will rename these just for the era of illustration of Coinbase neutered and Coinbase Funzone, right? One's going to be the constrained version of Coinbase that has to con- that lives in the side of the financial prison and only has certain products that can only be accessed by Americans, and it's going to be like sterile, not fun Coinbase. And then there's going to be Coinbase International, which has all of the products that are actually in demand as shown by the market. And that is where Coinbase is going to be able to serve the customers who want those products. And so it it fits into this model that we've had of the United States of kind of being this empire that's kind of rolling over and like it's um, closing down the capital controls. It's it's raising up the walls uh, and is preventing its citizens from being able to to um, access financial tools that are also, uh, freedom tools. And so like, I don't really have a question here, but like the idea is like, I'm kind of interested in that discrepancy between Coinbase international and Coinbase United States being crystal clear to average Coinbase users. And hopefully that can start to hopefully like turn the tide of winning hearts and minds to actually being able to open up, um, some of these more, um, more vibrant products uh, on the domestic uh, U S United States landscape.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I guess I would only say coinbase fun is still going to be coinbase safe. Um, so I yes. just want to make, you know, I just want to make you make that clear that, you know, uh, not coinbase
1: yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: it's not, it's definitely not that it's going to be, you know, it'll be coinbase safe and constrained and and coinbase safe and and less constrained, uh, in this, in the sense of the kind of the, the, the products at the moment, but we hope that that is not where um things are going to remain um and again i mean hopefully it was useful to provide that international perspective on the u.s domestic debate because you know i think if we can unlock that um and this you know security commodity concern if we can kind of get through that and if we can make a few steps forward on the stable coin um legislation and things then we're kind of positive. Right. Um, And we're optimistic and and we're pushing and we continue to hope. But, you know, in the meantime, we we're very focused on on international because, you know, there's a lot of growth there, a lot of excitement and the regulatory clarity is forthcoming. Um, And, you know, as I said, by the end of this year, I think we'll have global rules. We'll have Mika done. We'll have the UK on a clear path forward. We'll have, you know, Australia, out there, we've got Japan, we've got Singapore, we've got the Middle East, we've got Canada, we've got Brazil, Um, you know, all of these geos are kind of moving forward. um, And we really hope that, you know, the US can get on that bandwagon.
1: Just to if Coinbase had its way, it would just be one Coinbase, though, right? It wouldn't be Coinbase US, Coinbase International, and then the bespoke, more niche parts of the globe, it would just be Coinbase, and I mean, what we would need for that to for us to be able to get there is a lot of nation states working together to make the regulations and rules more um, congruent with each other. Uh, but that is that is what Coinbase would want, right? Just like one Coinbase,
2: correct? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, again, we want we want a uh, billion people in the crypto economy. We want to increase economic freedom. Um, it, so we want kind of you know the world to start adopting this technology. And we want to see a growing consensus around the rules. That's why we're very invested in the standard setting process at the G20, FSB, IOSCO kind of level as well, because that will create hopefully a framework within which multiple countries, hopefully including the US, can come together and they can adopt rules that are more or less the same. And that just kind of helps the whole market operate more efficiently. Um, In traditional finance, derivative markets are global. And, you know, whilst there are specificities in each different jurisdiction, um, you know, there are more or less kind of the same rules of the road. Um, and that is where i think we kind of need to get to i mean look no global player wants to fragment liquidity no, none of us want to kind of duplicate our operations and infrastructure in every single different country there will be an element of kind of necessary local governance and things like this um but ultimately what you want to do is you want to be providing you know the best products and the best execution to your clients and and that is done by having um you know a, a regulatory framework which is uh, more or less consistent across all of the main kind of jurisdictions, such that you can then operate seamlessly between them and offer good prices, deep liquidity, uh, etc. And we can focus on on building great new products and, and things like that, and focusing less on on having to kind of spend you know so much time with with policymakers trying to get us from zero to one
0: one thing i'll note is that uh, that idea of one coinbase of course um that can come to fruition hopefully easier and maybe easier in the non-custodial side of things so there is right now only one coinbase wallet for example right uh and hopefully we can maintain that moving forward because there is only kind of one ethereum and one global network state sort of Coinbase. starts to, yeah, one internet starts to dissolve some of the geographic boundaries and start with a blank, blank slate. That's why David and I are also perpetually bullish on on DeFi, of course. And I know, uh, Tom, that uh, Coinbase kind of splits the world of uh, centralized um, you know cr- fiat to, to crypto sorts of services and also getting into DeFi too. So that's important. I guess the last comment I would make, and uh, we, we can kind of close on this is, Here's a reason why I'm bullish, and I I want you to maybe test my logic, is that um, of course it was going to happen this way. Of course there were going to be geographic jurisdictions that were going to push the envelope, others that would fall behind, and see those that are pushing the envelope and aim to catch up. And it just seems like the U.S. right now is falling behind, but it exists in a game-theoretic ecosystem of competitors. And it looks across the ocean, and it sees Mika, and it sees uh, Europe attracting more of the crypto economy and capital inflows and interest and in growth from the space. And I know one thing about the U.S. At least this used to be true. I hope it's true in in, um, in moving forward in the future. The U.S. doesn't like to be second or third or fourth or fifth place. Okay, America wants to be number one, and so it has work to do in order to catch up. And so this is why i think partially you're going back to hong kong why maybe hong kong is starting to open up it's it's china sort of seeing the the, the pressures of well if we let this if we outlaw this crypto thing it's just going to go over to europe and other places i want you maybe you could kind of reflect on that because to me that is the the, the long term game theory of this, and it's it's a hopeful scenario that all of these jurisdictions are actually competing for crypto long run. Uh, crypto is ultimately it's a global phenomenon. It's unstoppable. It's, you know, not going to be squeezed out of one jurisdiction uh completely and and be ended. It's, it's going to leak into other jurisdictions, and there's this competitive pressure that will um, ensure that all jurisdictions eventually pass the type of, of crypto regulation that we want. Uh, is that too hopeful, or do you think that uh, we're onto something here?
2: Well, I'm an optimist too, Ryan, so, uh, so I'm going to the, I'm gonna subscribe to that. Um, look, there's a, there's a fear of missing out, right, which, which we kind of see everywhere, but equally risk and reward kind of has to be kind of balanced. But, you know, we should see uh, geos, whether it's Europe, whether it's going to be parts of APAC, the Middle East, but we'll see kind of jurisdictions move ahead with their own crypto kind of frameworks and the ones that work and they balance risk and reward. So the ones that help to kind of actually foster innovation, but at the same time, they make sure that we're protecting market integrity and financial stability and investor protection, but balance that kind of crucial thing about allowing, you know, innovation, but not stifling it, but making sure that we don't see too many crashes, et cetera. that is going to prove the concept, right? And it will happen. Like the, you know, the asset class is not going away. The technology is extremely exciting. Um, we were just talking um, amongst a number of us here at Coinbase in the kind of leadership team about base. We're seeing a huge number of developers coming into the space. We're seeing, you know, despite what potentially is happening with the kind of prices, we're just seeing masses of kind of activity. Um, we're seeing a lot of work from policymakers. Some different approaches being kind of tested here, um, but one of them kind of will work and will emerge as kind of the right uh, kind of way forward. And I think other countries will gravitate to that because they will see jobs, they'll see innovation, they'll see kind of growth, they'll see productivity move to those areas, right, where that kind of the regulatory framework exists. It provides clarity, it provides security, but it's attracting investment and and all of those good things. So um, I'm hopeful that we will kind of get there. Um, not everybody's moving at the same speed, um, but some of the global processes that are taking place this year that will culminate in September, I think will be a kind of a good signal post to to kind of, you know, where we're, where we're going. Um, and that consensus will start to emerge. So 2023, I'm optimistic this is going to be an inflection point for what more or less the kind of version 1.0 global guardrails should look like for kind of crypto policy. Uh, where innovation uh, can excitingly take place, but with the the downside risks kind of sensibly kind of mitigated to the extent that that they can be. Um, and once that concept has been proven, um, then let's hope that the the markets that are moving slower, the U.S. and others, um, can get on board, um, catch up, uh, and we can kind of continue to to innovate and uh, and take it from there.
1: Tom, with the Coinbase International, was there like a, a timeline on that?
2: On the international exchange, um, yeah. we are, um, uh, so we've, we've launched, um, and that is, you know, so that's up and running and, you know, we will then we'll be kind of building and scaling that, uh, with different clients and different products, um, you know, through the, through this year, kind of moving forward, but no precise kind of timelines or anything to flag for you guys just at this moment. So, but a lot, a lot happening and, uh, and more announcements to follow. So watch this space.
0: Tom, thank you so much for joining us. This has uh, been very helpful and uh, we're looking forward to big things from Coinbase International. Glad you're not abandoning the US just yet, though, and are keeping <laughs> uh, fighting the fight because we definitely need the help. Uh, we appreciate what you're doing.
2: Pleasure.
0: Risk and disclaimers. Of course, guys, got to let you know, none of this has been financial advice. Crypto is risky, so is DeFi. You could definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.